Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. So this morning will be the second message in our four-part series on faith. And in our message last week, we saw that the power of our faith lies in what? The object of our faith. Good job, Tim. The power of our faith lies in the object of our faith. In other words, Christian faith has a focus. Christian faith has a focus, and that focus is Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, the works of Jesus Christ, and the Word of Jesus Christ. And we talked about how, how we have faith through hearing, and hearing is through the Word, and the Word is the Word of Jesus Christ. So we grow in our faith through hearing God's Word, and our faith is rooted in what God has said. And one of the things that we talked about a little bit last week but didn't get into it too much was that nowhere is faith more necessary and more confused than when we're going through difficult times. Isn't that true? When we go through difficult times, is really when we need the faith, faith the most. It's hardest to have it, and it, it can be very confusing in difficult times. So this message is called Faith for Difficult Times. Faith for Difficult Times. And as I mentioned last week, I want to try to answer some difficult questions this morning about faith, about faith and suffering faith and going through difficult times, and, and how those things go together. Here are some questions that I'd like to answer throughout the message this morning. If you aren't being delivered out of your difficult time, is that because you don't have enough faith? Did God promise to deliver you out of every difficult circumstance that you face? Is deliverance from every difficult circumstance a right that we can claim and apprehend by faith? What about physical problems? Is healing, is healing already purchased for every believer simply to be apprehended by faith? What about prayer? This is a, this is a tricky one. Can we pray, quote, in faith? And by in faith, we talked about this last week, we mean with absolute certainty of the outcome. Can we pray in faith that God will heal us, that God will heal our loved ones from sickness and deliver us from other difficult circumstances? And finally, what if God didn't answer your prayer? Does that mean that you don't have real faith? So, it's a tall order, but I want to try to answer some of these questions, if not all of them today. Let's pray. We need God's help for this one. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In your word is everything that we need for life and godliness. We thank you for your promises in your word that we can trust and believe in. Father, I pray that today... This message would be faith-building for us. 
We pray that it would be especially faith-building for anyone going through difficult times. Father, give us revelation and illumination of these truths that we're going to talk about today in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, illustrations are often the best way to get truths across. And God gives a lot of, a lot of good illustrations and examples in Scripture. And so I, I want to look at some illustrations in Scripture of exemplary faith that we can learn from. But before we do, think about it. What would you say exemplary faith looks like? What would you say great faith in a person looks like? You might think of George Mueller, a man of great faith. He, he believed God for so many things. And if you read his biography, you can, you can see how God came through. If you listen to a certain stream of Christian teachers, if you get your theology from a certain stream, sometimes on television, uh, you might believe that you can identify great faith in somebody by very specific results. Those results being health, wealth, prosperity, those physical blessings from God. Some teachers will, will teach that that's how you identify great faith in a person. If they're delivered from difficult situations regularly, if they experience miraculous healings, and that may be, that may be brought on by great faith. So they would say, are there signs that someone is living by faith? And that's how you tell. Because they would say we all know that real faith gets real results every time. So where does that leave the rest of us who maybe aren't experiencing miraculous healings, who aren't financially prospering, who are in difficult times right now? Where does that leave us? Is, some, is something wrong with our faith? So if you're a Christian who's sick, or in a wheelchair, if you're not conquering kingdoms and raising the dead, if you've got a lot of difficulties in life, does that mean you just don't have varsity-level faith? Your faith is somewhere down here. Well, I love Hebrews chapter 11, because Hebrews chapter 11 shows us that the signs of great faith aren't always exactly what we think. Hebrews chapter 11 shows us what a life of great faith looks like. And it might not be what you think. So let's look at it this morning. We don't have time to read it all, but we can read from verses 31 on and get a picture of what great faith looks like. Verse 31. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So here by faith Rahab was delivered from death. She didn't perish. So there's a sign of great faith. She was delivered from death. Verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, 
were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. These are the things we think of often when we hear about great faith, conquering kingdoms, raising the dead. Just wonderful examples of faith. But for some, faith doesn't look this way. And that's why I love the end of this chapter. You can't always identify faith by these things. The writer of Hebrews goes on in the second half of verse 35. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. I mean, shouldn't great faith deliver us from those kinds of things? Verse 37, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. Where is their faith? They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. In other words, they were homeless by faith. They were destitute by faith. They didn't have food or water or money. And they didn't have food or money or water by faith. They did these things. These people were not delivered from their problems. And they had faith throughout the whole time that they weren't delivered. It wasn't that they didn't have faith in God. It was that they had faith throughout. Now, you won't hear a lot of messages on this side of faith because it's the other side that gets all the glamour and the other side is, is fancier and we, would, we really would probably prefer the other side. I mean, how many of us would prefer to be destitute and sawn in half over conquering kingdoms and raising the dead, right? But all of this is by faith. You can't say that person has great faith because look what they're doing and that person doesn't because they're homeless. That's not how you tell if someone has great faith. So we want to bring balance into what is probably taught more than the other. Some, I, I like... I like to put it this way. I've heard a man put it this way. I think this explains it well. Some only teach if-then faith. In other words, if you have enough faith, then God will do this. If you have faith, God will deliver you out of your trials and your tribulations. But I think a stronger kind of faith, a stronger kind of faith is even-if faith. Even if faith, God, even if I'm sawn in half, I'm going to trust in you. Even if you don't heal me, God, I will keep believing in you. I will keep trusting that you're good and that you know what's best and that you have the wisdom that I don't have because you're God and I'm not. Even if I have to live in a cave and I'm destitute and I have no food or money, and shelter, I will trust in you. That's the kind of faith that we're talking about today from Hebrews chapter 11. That's even if faith, even if my life doesn't work out the way that I planned. Even if I have relational conflicts with people close to me. Even if I see 
loved ones who weren't healed. Even if I'm not being healed, I will trust in you, Lord. That's Hebrews 11 faith. That's exemplary faith. That's varsity level faith right there. That's faith in trusting that that God will give you deliverance and he will bring victory, but it may not be in this life. We see in verse 39, it says about these people, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better. We all have something better. At least we all who are in Jesus Christ have something better promised. And we, we will receive that, even if we die in this life without receiving the promise. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. So does great faith always lead to deliverance in, in this lifetime now? No, not always. Sometimes God will give us miracles. Sometimes through His providence, He will work our circumstances out. As a matter of fact, many times, how many of you were healed before? Just healed from something. Every good gift comes from God. Every good gift. So if you were healed, you experienced His healing. Some of us in here have experienced miraculous healing. Others, through the providence of His use of doctors and medicine, but it's all from God if it's good. And so he does give us glimpses. He does give us sneak peeks into that ultimate healing that we will all receive one day. And we should ask him for those. But we should not claim those because we can't claim the timing. This comes down a lot of times to timing. Before we go into that, I want to give you one more example of faith because I think it illustrates this point. In Daniel chapter 3, we read about Daniel's friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were put in a difficult situation. And it, we read in verse 17, when, when they were put before the fiery furnace and threatened by the king to be thrown in if they didn't bow down to the idol, it says, if this be so, in other words, this threat that the king is going to throw them into the furnace. He says, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They knew that ultimately God would deliver them in His timing, but it might not be now. And even if God doesn't deliver them, they were still going to obey God and trust God. That's even if faith. So all these people in Hebrews 11, and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and all of you who are suffering and still believing and trusting in God, have Hebrews 11 faith. Even if faith. Even if I'm going to trust you no matter what, Lord. That's the kind of faith God is looking for. And I know that as I was thinking about this, many have gone before us, many loved ones that, that we've lost, loved ones of people in this room who have exercised faith and believed God 
and hung on to trusting him the whole way through as they passed on to the other side. They didn't receive the promise of healing, at least physical healing, in this life. Those are the people of whom the world is not worthy that we're told of in Hebrews 11 because their faith was strong enough to endure and it lasted and they passed on and one day we will be with them again and we will see their ultimate healing and we'll be with them for it, Hebrews tells us. Sometimes it just comes down to timing. Sometimes when God's timing doesn't align with ours, we get impatient. But we need to remember what we read. He has something better in mind when his timing isn't the same as ours. Often we can feel that, as the writer of the Psalms told us, he, he said when God didn't seem to be coming through in Psalm 13:1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Will you hide your, how long will you hide your face from me? And if you've suffered, you know that, that how long feeling. But that how long feeling is really a question of trust because we're asking God, how long? How long is this going to take before you come through? And for David, who wrote that in Psalm 13, 1, four verses later, we see that he knew he had to align his feelings with his faith. He said in verse 5, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Sometimes it's, it's very difficult to suffer through and keep trusting the Lord. But sometimes we need to realign our feelings with what God says in His Word. Let me show you something that we looked at last week, but we didn't see this part of it. We looked at uh, the, the passage when Peter was walking on the water. Remember when Jesus was out on the water and, and He called Peter out, and by faith Peter walked on the water, but then he began to sink. I want to show you something from that passage that, that reveals the difference maybe in God's timing for trials and deliverance from trials versus our preferred timing. If you look at first Peter, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 through 32, it says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out, to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Last week I didn't read verse 32 because we were just talking about Jesus being the object of our faith. But this week I want to show you that it wasn't until Peter got in the boat that the Lord made the wind and the waves stop. Now, why do you think he didn't just stop them when Peter stepped out onto the water? Why do you think he left them continue? Because ultimately they were the reason that Peter sunk. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he started looking at his circumstances, the wind and the waves, and he thought, I, I, I can't compete with this. This is, this is bigger than I have faith for. And he sunk. Jesus could have stopped them then and made it easy for Peter. It would have been just a flat surface of water. And Peter probably 
had, would have had enough faith to do it. But Jesus didn't stop it until after Peter sunk. And I think there's a lesson in here. Peter doubted when he saw all of that. Jesus allowed him to doubt and kept the circumstances going. And I think oftentimes God will let us in our suffering and our circumstances for a time as, as an exercise to continue trusting in Him, to learn how to trust Him. Another illustration that I've used in the past, but I think it shows this effectively, is I like to spend a lot of time in the woods. I like to hike, and um, I like to hunt, and I like to fish. And, and one time as I was walking on top of the, the mountain behind our house, I noticed that the trees on the top of the mountain are noticeably shorter than the trees in the valleys. And I wondered why that was, and as I researched it, I found that the trees on the top of the mountain are exposed to the, the winds and the storms while the trees in the valleys are protected. And those trees that are on top of the mountain that are facing the winds and the storms and the hard times, they put their energy into their root system more than into growing tall because they need to be rooted in something firm. They need to drive their roots down into the rock, the bedrock of the mountain, so that they can withstand the storms. And it's no different for us. When the storms come on us, we need to drive our faith roots more and more into Jesus Christ, more and more into the truths in His Word, because that's the only thing that's going to keep us afloat, that's going to keep us from getting knocked down. And the more we do that, the stronger our faith grows. And the stronger our faith grows, the more peace we actually have. We're going to talk about that at the end of the message. You can actually have more peace in a trial than you can have when everything's going well. And that's what God wants for us. So if we're not being delivered out of difficult times, is it because we don't have enough faith? Probably not. Probably not. Difficult times are opportunities for our faith to grow deeper. And, and God tells us in His Word that spiritual health is more important than physical health. Often we just want to walk by sight. We, we, we live in this world. We see things. We, we're living by sight and we feel like our main priority is we need to get healed. And that's important. I don't want to minimize it. It's hard going through a sickness. It's, it's very hard. I'm sure those with disabilities would say how hard it is, but our physical health is not as important as our spiritual health. And many times, God can use physical afflictions to strengthen our spiritual health. If I was... Telling this in a court to a judge, I would call in an expert witness right now because I haven't suffered a whole lot. And to hear what I'm saying from me who hasn't suffered is one thing, but to hear what I'm saying from someone who has had lived 17 years of her life in great health and then through a diving accident became a quadriplegic for the last 50 years of her life and is still trusting in the Lord, well, that... That's an expert witness we want to hear from. So I'd like to ask Brian if he would show you a clip.
from Johnny Erickson Tata. So, so when people come up to you, though, sometimes they've got the gift of healing, and that means that they've healed people before. Um, it can't be God's fault, and it can't be their fault. And so if they pray for you and you're not healed, they would say it's your fault because you fault. don't have enough faith, yeah. right? And they, 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 how have you responded to that in the past when people have said, Johnny, you just need more faith? Well, faith's focus is always the key, mm -hmm. and faith's focus is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at that. If I have enough faith, will God heal me? Well, the Bible says all we really need is mustard seed-sized faith. Yeah. We don't even need great faith, just small faith. Mm -hmm. and, and if it's on Christ, then you rest it with Him. Wow. I remember when I was out of the hospital and after I'd gone to all, all those faith healers and I didn't get healed, mm -hmm. I started to read in Psalms where it said, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I delighted myself in the Lord and I, I thought, well, of course, then he's going to give me the desire of my heart. Yeah. The desire of my heart is to walk, is to have use of my hands. But the more I grew to know Christ, mm -hmm. the deeper and more intimate I became with him, my desires began to shift. Suddenly, walking wasn't the priority anymore. It was, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I, I want to know more of you, Jesus. Give me more of you, Jesus. I want to tell others about how good you are, how gracious you are. Give me the power to disciple as I should and evangelize as I should. Jesus, I want to, and what do you know? I was fulfilling Mark chapter 1, verse 38, yeah. where Jesus himself says, this is why I've come, to preach the gospel. And the preaching of the gospel became my priority. Wow. Physical healing and walking and having use of my hands began to shift down to number 4, 5, 12, 15, 25. Wherever it is right now, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's still on the list. Well, here's what's amazing is I, I know a lot of people have said this about you. I, I've said there are people who have what the healing of your physical body would bring who don't have the peace that you have, yeah. right? And the desires of our heart is that we long for peace. We long for a sense of joy and purpose and meaning. And you have, and so the desires of our heart are ultimately for those things. Absolutely. And Jesus gives it. I love the way you respond to folks though, when they say, can I pray for you? You say, absolutely pray for my healing, Right. but then also pray for, and tell them some of the things you ask them to pray for as they oh, yeah. seek to heal you. When people want to heal me, I, I always tell them, I said, yes, of course, I'd love to get out of this wheelchair. It would be wonderful. But may I please tell you some specifics on how you can pray? Mm. And they say, well, sure. What, what are they? I said, well, pray that I will quit cherishing inflated ideas of my own importance. Please pray that I will quit mm. keeping a record of other people's wrongs. Please pray that, 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 that I will pop that hot balloon air of pride that often crops up. Please pray that I'll quit reading my own press releases. Mm. Please pray that I will quit being so anxious about my future and fearful. Please pray that, I mean, I, I list sin after wow. rebellion after fear after worry after anxiety and I these are the things I need to be healed of because as you just said at our deepest level our deepest longings are for peace and joy we want to be glad people and we think that fingers that work or feet that walk or a back that no longer aches or heads that no longer give migraines we, we think that being healed of those things will give us the peace and the joy but not always so yeah it is what God does in our hearts wow There's a, a woman of exemplary faith, and, and I've, I've read about Johnny, and I've heard other interviews, and she believed for many years of her life, she believed with certainty that God would heal her. And she talked about going, traveling the world to, to faith healing seminars and 
to different people who had the gift of faith and, and she said that sadly the Holy Spirit didn't often come to the wheelchair section of those seminars and that many people were being healed but she didn't see very many people in her condition being healed. But here's what she'll tell you and here's what I want to tell you. She believes that God can heal her. She believes that God can heal her. But she doesn't, she doesn't know that He will. She doesn't know that He will after all of those years and years of praying. And it's 50 years now that she's been a quadriplegic. And what I loved was that she said that through this, God has aligned her desires more with His spiritual desires became more important to her than physical desires. And that's why when people offer to pray for healing, she says, yes, please, but please also pray for these things. So I want to I ask this question because I think it's probably a question that's rolling around in some of our minds. Didn't Jesus purchase our healing? And doesn't the Old Testament tell us that Jesus purchased our complete redemption when he died on the cross. Let's, uh, let's look at some of these verses. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. When Jesus died on the cross, through His atonement, He purchased healing for us. He did purchase healing for us. The answer to that question, didn't Jesus purchase our healing, is yes. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Did Jesus purchase our healing is his redemption foolproof that it redeemed us from everything that the curse brought on? Did his atonement reverse the curse? Yes. His atonement reversed the curse. Everything in this curse of this world that was brought upon us when Adam and Eve sinned and God cursed it is all, it's been taken care of by his death and resurrection. And I know that can be confusing because it seems like I've been saying you, you can't claim this healing as a right right now. But he did pay for it. He did purchase it. There's a, a theological phrase, a way that theologians describe this thing I'm going to talk about that might help us understand why we're not experiencing it all the time then. And this phrase is called the already not yet. And it's just a way that people explain this idea that, that sometimes in Scripture, though Jesus Christ had paid the fullness of the price for all of the benefits that we will receive, and though we already have them, as like, for example, we already have salvation, we have it in full. We have not yet received some of it. Think about it. I mean, Romans 8.30, for example. Romans 8.30 tells us that um, 
Those who he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Past tense. When you, if you are called, if you believed in Jesus, you're justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's past tense in the original language and in English. He has glorified us. But the thing is, we have not yet experienced that. Oh, we believe in it. We believe that we are fully saved. But we still have this flesh in our bodies right now that carries, the flesh that carries our sin desires. And Paul, right before that in Romans 7, says, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I know I should do, and why do I do this? Who is going to free me from this body of death? Because we still have this. We still have, we're like two, two, a hybrid person. We have the old self, and we have the new self. And, and, And we still sin. And we still get sick. But there's coming a time when God's going to give us what we already have. It's already ours in Christ. But he's going to give it to us in fullness. Look at Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6 says this. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. When? At the day of Jesus Christ. That's the day when we receive our glorified bodies. We already have glorification. It's ours because Jesus Christ secured it for us. It's secure in Him. And we can have faith and believe that we will be with Him. We will have a glorified body. We will experience eternal life in heaven with Him one day. We will be in His kingdom. There's another one. We are already in the kingdom, but we are not yet fully in the kingdom when we'll physically be there one day. We already have a glorification, but we don't physically have it yet. And we already have healing and deliverance from every pit and every trial that we can face, but we don't physically have the fullness of those yet. So those promises in the Old Testament, like many Old Testament prophecies, are fulfilled in in pieces and in chunks, but they're all coming one day. And so, we don't physically experience our salvation yet, but we will, we are promised it. And so Jesus did pay for it. And here's the thing, he gives us sneak peeks of that now. He gives us glimpses of it, he gives us tastes of it. Many of you were healed, some by providence, but others miraculously You've received a glimpse of the coming kingdom. We, he, he shows us those things at times. We don't have time to go into all of it, but there are, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that according to his proportions, he gives us gifts of healings. Sometimes the translators forget to put the S on gifts and healings, but literally in Greek, it's gifts of healings. It's not like someone has a gift of healing where they have a superpower and every time they pray for you, you're going to be healed. God sometimes apportions to individuals gifts of healings where when they pray for you, they will, you will be healed at times. But it's, it's according to how he apportions that. He desires how he wants it to work out. We don't know. We don't know. And so there is coming a day when we're going to receive the fullness of it. And we're told about this in Revelation chapter 21. 
says in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and he will be, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, look, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ is promised that day. We will all experience that day. And so we will all experience perfect healing on that day. If you haven't already. As in Hebrews 11, some, by faith, didn't receive the promises in this life. Let's listen to Joni one more time, Johnny, as she talks about this in the second clip, if we could play that. And let me just say one last yeah. word about healing. God can and does heal. Mm. I have seen a handful, mind yeah. you, just a handful, yeah. but miraculous healings. Yes. It's amazing when God heals, and when he heals, it is meant to be a blessing that we can encourage others with and pass on to others. But mostly it is a sneak preview of that marvelous day when, according to Isaiah 35, verses uh, 3 to 6, mm -hmm. the eyes of the blind of every person who's blind will be open. The ears of every person who's deaf mm -hmm. will be unstopped. The tongues of those who can speak will shout for joy. And millions of lame people like me are going to leap for joy and are going to leap like deer. And in the meantime, Let's get out there and issue party invitations to that heavenly celebration because we don't want anyone to miss out, not just on physical healing, but a spiritual healing of knowing Christ better. Like Johnny said, God does heal and, and he does do miracles today. But we, we can ask him for them. But are they something that we should be claiming as a right? or asking for as a mercy. Let me show you a, a scripture, Philippians 2.27. Paul had a friend named Epaphroditus, and this is what Paul said about him. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. What is mercy? Mercy is when, when God doesn't give us what we deserve. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We're all going to die. Nobody's ever ongoing healed. But when Epaphroditus was healed, Paul says it was by mercy. Mercy is not a right to claim. You can't claim mercy, but you sure can ask God for it. He wants us to ask Him for it. So don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for healing. We should. We should pray for... There might be many of you who haven't been healed because you haven't asked God for it. But we shouldn't demand it. Ultimately, He's going to give it to us and we can believe it in His timing. And that might be after we die. But we can't say, God, I claim this healing right now and I demand that you give it to me. It's not a right to be claimed. It's a mercy to ask for. It's like the song we sung this morning. All of this is for you, Jesus. And it's not about me. It's not about my desires. Oh, but I want to be healed. And he's a good God. And, and many times he does give healing. 
but it's not a right to demand. It's a mercy to ask for. So should we pray for healing and deliverance from from trials? Yes, absolutely we should. But we should remember that these things are, the timing is up to God and the outcome is up to God. There are too many examples of faithful people in Scripture who weren't delivered in this life to say that you will be delivered if you have faith. We should ask God for deliverance and He often gives it early but we entrust the timing and the outcome to Him. I want to leave us today with one promise that we can claim now. Everybody who's going through a trial, everybody who's sick, everybody who's suffering can claim this promise by faith. You can apprehend it by faith and that is peace. John 16, 33 gives us the promise of peace. Peace. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Now he said, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is a promise along with many, many others in Scripture that promise us peace now that we can claim by faith. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Jesus Christ will bring you peace if you trust in him and you believe it. See, there is still something to an if-then faith. If you believe, then God will do this. In the book of James, he said, If you want wisdom, I'll give it to you, I promise. But you can't doubt. You have to believe. If you don't believe, you shouldn't expect to receive anything. That's an if-then faith. There is some of that in the Bible. If you believe that Jesus will bring you peace, He will. If you don't, He won't. If you're suffering and you're not experiencing peace, it's because you don't have faith in that promise. But if you're suffering and you're not being healed, it's not because you don't have faith because the Scripture gives us too many examples of people who weren't healed by faith and they endured to the end. And those are the people of whom the world is not worthy. That's varsity-level faith. And they're honored in Scripture and we should honor them. So what if God didn't answer your prayer? What if you aren't being delivered out of your difficult time? What if your loved one wasn't healed? Does that mean that you don't have real faith? Absolutely not. If you are suffering and still trusting in Jesus, you have even if faith. Even if this happens, I'm going to trust you. That's the highest level of faith. Those of whom the world was not worthy have that. And all of these, it says, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better. Let's pray. Let's have the band come up as I pray. Father... We pray that you would build our faith in you. Lord, one thing is sure, and that is that you will get us through to the end. You will get us through to a time when we are ultimately healed. Sometimes you give it to us early, and we thank you for that, and we ask you for more of that. I ask you for that right now for every single person who is suffering in this room. I ask you that you would heal them, I ask you for your mercy on them like you had on Epaphroditus. 
I ask for everyone who's going through a difficult trial that you would deliver them out of the pit early, that you would do it now. But ultimately, as we learn from your scripture and as Johnny testified too, there are many more important things that we should pray for for ourselves. Lord, accomplish your will in whatever circumstances you give us in our lives. And ultimately, I pray that everyone here would continue to trust in you even if their life doesn't go as planned. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.